Bookstore and The Secret Garden. Welcome to Simple Life Radio. I'm your host, Cynthia Fernandez. On the show each week, we focus on the simple things in life, the basics. Everyone has a story. We all carry innate wisdom learned through experiences in life. And perhaps you'll hear something that resonates with you or reminds you of a time in your own life today. In any case, I hope that you're able to take some time to listen, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Our topic today is honoring grief. Not the continuance of it, but really the healing in which we create a deeper connection to life. Our guest, Alexandra Kennedy, is a psychotherapist and author of Honoring Grief, Creating a Space to Let Yourself Heal, which has actually just been released. We've got stock in our local independent bookstore at Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden. She also authored Losing a Parent and The Infinite Thread Healing Relationships Beyond Loss. Welcome, Alexandra, to Simple Life Radio. Hello, Cynthia. So good to have you on the air today. I'm delighted. You know, I understand that... uh, there was actually a significant personal loss in your own life that motivated you to write about grief and the recovery process. Is that is that correct? Right. Uh, uh, many years ago, um, back 1988, 89, um, I lost my father. Um, I had at that point been a psychotherapist for a number of years and had already had training in death and dying with Stephen Levine. And... Um, I got a diagnosis um, that my father had cancer kind of out of the blue, and my father was someone who did not talk about death and did not, you know, uh, he didn't want to kind of deal with it at all. So I was kind of left, you know, in this place of wanting to kind of be with him and talk about it and um, felt, you know, very cut off. So I had to really turn within and to find a space within myself to... You know, kind of find the healing within myself so that I could hold that place for him to die as he had lived, which was with dignity but with a lot of denial. And um, that was a very um, transforming process for me. Um, it really brought me to my knees. I thought as a therapist and with all the training I had had, I'd be prepared. And uh, it's amazing how the loss of a parent kind of shakes the foundation of your life. It was um, very humbling. And uh, I wrote, because I, I keep a journal, I was writing about, you know, the, um, the process of losing him and uh, ended up creating a, um, a manuscript from that that I shared with friends and just so happened that it ended up on a desk of a, an editor who had just lost his mother mm. at HarperCollins. And uh, it was kind of like, you know, guided all the way to publication. Um, so it was... It was uh, very exciting to kind of have that work out in the world and at a time kind of before this whole grief wave began to happen with the uh, baby boom generation right right before that and um, you know since then we've all been losing our parents and um, you know we're all kind of stepping up to being the next ones to die so we're all facing our own mortality in a whole different way you know it's an interesting time in history because as I've um, heard and read with all the baby boomers we are 
on some level taking care of our elderly parents or dealing with the loss of them while being grandparents in many cases taking care of our grandchildren and our children to some degree that's right that's right yeah, i don't i don't know that that i mean i suppose yeah. it's happened that way in history before but there's such a huge volume of baby boomers um that yeah well, I think that the um, baby boomers tend to cut, go through life changes with a lot more consciousness. Uh, for example, when we were all birthing our babies, there was a lot of new consciousness that came in around birth. And I think that, uh, you know, dealing with death mortality, dealing with, you know, caring for our parents, dealing with grief, um, there's there's a kind of a, a wanting amongst this generation to um, to really understand it more fully and to deepen into it. Um, and certainly, I think that, uh, you know, there's a huge wave of us. Um, I mean, I understand the caring for the elderly. I've had my uh, husband's father, who's, who just turned 100 <gasps> and is, has been living with us for three and a half years. Amazing. Um, I don't have grandchildren yet. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but um, I'd love to be in that position of taking care of the grandchildren at the same time we have this elderly person. Um, but, you know, it's, it's um, an amazing process. Each one of, you know, the parents, both his parents and my parents, has been a completely different experience. And so, you know, you grow from all of it. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's enriching. Yes, it certainly can be when someone feels supported and they feel like they understand the process. Yeah. So, I, you know, you're a psychotherapist. You obviously help people and deal with people who are going through many different kinds of transition uh, there is a kind of transition or a grief that I imagine to be part of being aware that your life is coming to an end, and a completely different kind of transition or grief related to losing someone that you love, perhaps in this case, you know, you described losing your parent, someone that you really relied on and looked up to. Right. And that, you know, that is the grief of surviving a loved one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand that, that you actually do uh, lectures at universities and professional organizations and major conferences, and that you are going to be the keynote speaker at a local event dedicated to survivors. It's called Survivor Day, and it's going to be held on November 22nd from uh, 8.30 to 1.30 in Seaside. Right. Could and, you, and, yeah. and, and I think it's important to um, mention that it's um, it's focusing on the survivors of suicide loss, which is a particular kind of grief. Oh. Um, there's many different, um, you know, kind of levels of grieving um, when you've lost a loved one to suicide. Mm. And it's very complex and very deep, and um, it, it's important, you know, to... Um, to really get some healing with that because, um, you know, Stephen Levine used to talk about that. When someone commits suicide, it's like they leave their skeleton in your closet. Oh, wow. You know, so, you know, whatever was unfinished for them or whatever pain they left with, in a sense, gets passed down to the people who are still alive. Um, and that's very complex in terms of healing. Yeah, because the communication is completely unfinished. You You don't have... The same sort of uh, clarity as you would if someone had a fatal illness or a fatal accident. There's some sort of explanation present that right. would not be the case with a suicide. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's wonderful that uh, this this day is available. 
um, for people to kind of come together. I think the hope of the organizers of this uh, conference, the hope is that it creates kind of a uh, support network that people can continue to be connected to others who have gone through this. Because I think it's very easy to get isolated when, you know, you've had a loved one commit suicide um, because there's often shame around it. Mm. And there's often, you know, a lot of kind of complex feelings of, you know, why didn't, you know, why couldn't I have stopped it? A lot of guilt. And so, you know, there's a tendency to isolate, and actually what people need is to know that other people are going through that, and that, you know, that they're being able to be together and support each other can um, be very healing. So That's it's, a, it's so true. And it's also free. Um, it is a I, free event. Yes, it's wonderful that, you know, they have created this space for people to be able to come together and get the support that they need, and that will be continued and learn some strategies. I mean, that's my part, is to really offer some strategies for healing that they can take with them and um, apply to their everyday lives that they begin a, a journey of healing. So before we move on, I just want to mention that the location mm-hmm. for this event will be at the Monterey Veterans Clinic, which is located 3401 Engineer Lane, Seaside. If you have any questions, the contact is Dawn. Her number to reach her is 831 831- Two zero seven three seven eight three. That's two zero seven three seven eight three. Right, right. So, um, I I don't know if if uh, you know this is kind of a dumb question, but mm-hmm. I thought it would be really important to just talk about what the symptoms of grief are. I mean, basically, how would one know or recognize it for themselves? Um, are you talking about unresolved grief or just after you've just lost a loved one? I think I'm just talking about grief. Uh, there's let me let me back up. There's a number of people in our busy lifestyle in our busy mm-hmm. world. There's a number of people who I have experienced deal with the loss of someone sort of in their off time, and they keep working and they keep their life normal, normal, normal. Right and. You know, when I check in with them, they're like, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, things happen. Everybody dies. Right. And right. and so is that an example of unresolved grief? Or how would you know if you're that person that you are actually experiencing grief on some level? Well, you know, when, when you go through a major loss of a loved one, um, it's um, kind of part of our human experience to go through grief. Grief is... It's a natural process. Um, in fact, it's a very wise process that begins to move through us. And that what comes with that are waves of feeling, um, an intensity. Um, as I spoke about with my father, it, it's an experience that brings you to your knees. I've had many clients who have come and said, I've been able to hold my life together for many different crises, but here I've just lost you know, my mother, my father, or my spouse, or my child, and I'm at, on my knees. Um, I am, you know, completely overwhelmed. Um, so grief very often, you know, is a very intense experience. It's, it's really one of the more intense experiences that we go through. Um, it kind of turns our world inside out. There's a rawness and a vulnerability to going through grief. Um, it sh- when you really look at it, for example, with my clients, I see that when someone is actively grieving, because we're talking about active versus ignoring grief, right? Okay. Uh-huh. 
with active grieving, it's affecting every aspect of your life. There's no corner of your life that's not affected. It affects your physical being. You know, your your immune system is changed. It affects your sleep. It affects your your you know your appetite. It affects your relationships. It affects your dreams for the future. Um, it affects you emotionally. Um, so, it's important to understand that grief in itself is an incredibly transformational and very deep process, and it's natural to go through that. What happens is in our culture, we are so outer-oriented that when grief starts to move, very often people don't know how to really work with it. They feel overwhelmed by it, and so they shut down, and they try to just go on with their life. Right. The problem, because I'm a therapist and I get a lot of clients who have lost a loved one 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they're coming in because it's now getting triggered. The grief does not just disappear. It goes deep into the psyche, and it mm. waits for a time to come out. And often that's when you have other stresses that are coming up. Mm. Those stresses, you know, trigger you. I remember getting a, when I wrote Losing a Parent, I got a letter from a young woman, and she said she, she was thanking me for, for the book, and she said that she had been really working with it in terms of healing her grief because she said she had lost her father when she was like 12, 13 years old and had just basically gone on because, you know, when you're in school, you know, it's very difficult to deal with that. And she got to, you know, into her adulthood, and she was working at a job, and her mentor at work um, retired, and she was having trouble in her marriage. And um, a number of other stressors happened. And all of a sudden, she started to have all these physical symptoms. Mm. She started having a rapid heartbeat. She started having, she couldn't breathe. She had headaches. She went into the hospital. They did a number of tests. And they said, there's nothing wrong with you. And there was a social worker there who took her history and pointed to, said, did you ever grieve your, the death of your father? And she said, no. And this social worker, being very smart, said, I think there's a connection. So she started to deal, you know, to go to therapy and deal with it. And she realized that every choice she had made in her life since the death of her father had been to avoid that grief. You know, she married a robotic-type man who wouldn't feel very much. Um, And she ended up, you know, and she always was the the funny one, you know, in a group to kind of keep things light. Mm -hmm. Um, She she looked at her life in a whole different way, and she said it's been a real eye-opener and very transformational. So she she was at that point now dealing with the loss of her parent from, like, you know, 20 years before. Mm, That is, you know, I bet that happens a lot. Yeah, it does. It does. I would say that, you know, when I have clients come in and something is going on, they can't quite put their finger on it, but they're in a state, you know, a lot of things are kind of, um, there's an upheaval going on emotionally, mm-hmm. and I'll track it down, and, and uh, there's a grief back there that was never dealt with, and that has had an impact on them. Um, we don't get away, you know, from the losses we go through. No shortcuts. No shortcuts. You know, we have to grieve those. And and that's part of, you know, opening your heart to loving someone is that you go through the the process of losing them and feeling the loss Mm -hmm. and aching for them and and missing them and, you know, all the unresolved issues that come up. Right. They're inevitable. Right. And working with those so that you come to a place of peace and that when you think of that loved one, you know, you you have the sense of, of just love. 
Well, that is certainly the goal. And there's no, um, as far as I know, there's no exact time limit on how long it takes us to get there. But Alexandra, how does anger play a role in the grief process? Is that in the mix somewhere? Of course, yeah. I mean, uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talked about that in terms of, you know, the stages of grief, which, you know, since then it's been, you know, kind of discussed that we don't go through stages like, you know, one emotion after another. There's kind of a combination of emotions that may erupt, you know, at any time. So it's not anger really is, it, it's not really linear. No, it's not linear. And anger is definitely part of the grieving process. Um, for example, we were talking about, you know, the survivors of suicide loss. Anger comes up a lot when you, you know, go through a suicide mm. loss. Um, it's just kind of part of, you know, of the, the, the missing part of the rage, you know, against the universe. Why did that person have to be taken away from me, you right, know? Right, right. Um, and it's natural. It's kind of... So part of, you know, the, the process of grieving is to find a strategy where you don't feel overwhelmed, where you have a contained space that you can actually grieve daily for a limited time, and then go and then leave that and go back into your daily life mm-hmm. so that there's a rhythm of going into the grief and coming out of it mm-hmm. and going deep enough to heal. That's kind of the secret of grieving. You cannot heal grief if you stay at a shallow level uh. because grief is a very deep process. It's one of the deeper you know, kind of experiences we have as human beings. And if you don't go deep, you're not going to heal. Our guest today on Simple Life Radio is Alexandra Kennedy. She is the author of her newest book, Honoring Grief, Creating a Space to Let Yourself Heal, which is on sale today at the Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden, among many other places, I'm sure. But I wanted to ask you about this particular book. The foreword for the book was written by Stephen Levine. And um, I wondered, Alexandra, if you could tell us about the, the your choice of format for the book because it's very different, right? So as I've I've been working with uh, clients because I've been um, now working with clients for thirty eight years and the and the last what thirty something have been really dedicated to um, grief is my specialty, and many clients will come in and they'll you know. Um, they're looking for resources in grieving, and we create some strategies for grieving. And then sometimes, you know, people want to have something to read. And yet, what they tell me over and over again, and I have had the same experience myself, is that when you're grieving, the energy moves out of your head and drops down into your heart and down into your belly. Mm. It's very difficult to concentrate. It's very difficult to read. So when you open a book on grief and you see a lot of words on a page, (laughs) you're going to basically close it again and say, I can't do that. And that's what people do all the time. I've noticed that for myself, actually. Right, right. So I wanted to create a book that was very non-threatening, that was welcoming, and that I could take kind of the essence of what I've been teaching, because I've been teaching in graduate schools. I've taught um, like 12 years at JFK University and 11 years at ITP University and at UC Santa Cruz. And so I've created a kind of a body of work that, um, you know, is, is very important in terms of the whole grieving process. So my challenge was, how can I distill that down to the essence so that I could write a book that had only maybe a couple of sentences per page, a lot of space, because when people are grieving, they're looking for the space. They don't want to be crowded. Mm. And so they could, you know, open this book 
and say that they're, you know, taking some time to grieve each day. They could open it and just read a couple of sentences and then close it and just let those sentences work on them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that was my challenge, um, was to distill the information down to its essence. And I love the publisher, it's, it's New Harbinger um, Publications, because they really worked with me. They said that, you know, the kind of editing that you do when you're writing a book like this is yeah. much more difficult than writing a long, you know, thesis, you know, with many words. Really? Because every word counts. And you have to really, you have to really choose. Okay, what is the thought I want to express here, and what is the best choice of word? Mm. So um, that's how I wrote it, and then I divided it into four sections. The first being kind of describing the nature of grief. We talked a little bit about that just a minute ago, mm-hmm. but you know, kind of understanding how does grief work. And what is the nature of it? And um, how can we identify it as it's moving through us, right? Mm-hmm. Then the second, the second part is, you know, working with what I call the sanctuary, which is the creating that place for healing and um, allowing that to be kind of part of your daily process. Because what I found about grief is that it's so overwhelming when you begin to actually actively grieve. Um, it feels overwhelming that if you can create a container that you know that you can go into that grief and come out and go into that grief and come out and you can go deep enough that if you can create that container you can actually begin a very deep process of healing well it creates and a sense of security doesn't it exactly, that you're, that you're right. not going to fall into an abyss exactly it's almost like you have to show your psyche look I can go into this place I can feel that for 10, 15, 20 minutes no more Mm-hmm. And then I can I can let it go, and I can go have a cup of tea, and I can go take a walk, and you know not keep carrying it. People find that they can go to school, they can go to work, they can deal with their thing, but they're not turning away from the grief. Mm-hmm. Because if you turn away from the grief completely, it will have its way. At some point, it will erupt, <laughs> right. whether it's now or 15 years from now. Right. Okay, so then the third part of the book is um, dealing with. Um, Inevitably, when someone dies, there's unresolved issues. How can we work with those unresolved issues? And one of the uh, areas that I've really explored in grief, which I think is very important in many cultures, other cultures deal with this, is the ongoing interrelationship that we have with someone who's grieving, with, us, with someone who's died, and that that relationship continues after death and that it's accessible through the imagination. So I have a number of exercises in the third part of the book for accessing that relationship and nurturing that relationship. For example, with my father, I, I couldn't talk to him about his dying, but I could go into my sanctuary and I could talk with him within, you know, in, in the confines of my sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that I could then go and sit with him in peace and not feel like I had to talk to him because, you know, he just wasn't open to that. But I actually felt that we had had that connection, and I felt that connection after he died. I still feel that connection. I mean, whenever I'm doing anything around grief, I feel his presence in my own heart. So with that arrangement, Alexandra, you're not really limited to the physical no. context of a, of a person. No, no, no. And that's why, you know, it's so important when, you know, someone loses someone where there's a lot of unresolved issues, for example, with suicide loss, um, that you realize that you can go into that relationship. You can say what you need to say. You can, you know, have a sense of, you know, some 
dealing with the unresolved issues and some sense of closure. Very, very important. Really important. Especially, I think, um, you tell me your thoughts on this, but if a person has the experience of loss mm-hmm. and they're and they and they're not able to or, or maybe they don't have the tools to handle it in a way that allows the healing process to happen let's say they have responsibility for young children mm-hmm. that comes through doesn't it i mean absolutely yeah. yeah 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 okay so first of all you know when you have young children it is possible you can because i've had many clients who have had young children they take 10 minutes. They have a little sanctuary in their house, and they tell the kids, I'm going to go, and I'm grieving, you know, for Auntie Ruth or whoever it is, you know? Yeah. And the children learn from that. They see that mom is dealing with the grief. She's not overwhelmed. She's going toward it. You know, it's kind of there's a learning process to that, right? Yes. Now, the other thing that is part of your question that you just asked is that when we don't, say we're a mother and we're not dealing with our own grief, through the unconscious, that grief tends to come through and gets passed down to your children. Meaning that they're now carrying it even though they don't know it. Exactly. And that particularly happens, you know, I've seen that over and over again. People who have come in and said, you know, I've always carried this sadness in my life, and my mother had had a miscarriage right before she got pregnant with me, and in talking with her about it, she never dealt with it. And, you know, here this person has been carrying that. Wow. So, you know, you can find several generations. I have some really um, poignant stories in The Infinite Thread um, because there's a chapter on generational grief there. That's something that's not talked about a lot um, by people who are dealing with grief. But I find it's a very important part of, you know, kind of understanding our grief history. Definitely, and I was really pleased to see that as part of your work because uh, uh, in indigenous cultures, it's very present. Yes, ancestral yeah. grief is very present and um, spoken about, and there are you know a number of specific indicators to recognize it, and right. um, you know part of it, just to share this with you, has to do with the inability to see beauty, mm-hmm. the inability mm-hmm. to hear. A child's laugh, yeah, yeah, and and the inability to appreciate the sun, you know, coming through the trees and and flowers blooming. Well, what you're talking about is, um, you know, when we don't grieve, we begin to shut down to life, mm. and we lose the capacity to really be alive in each moment and to, uh, like what you said, appreciate the beauty, appreciate the poignancy of life, to appreciate those, you know, special connections. Um, life narrows. When you don't grieve, you can't afford to be around anything that's going to trigger your grief. And so your, you know, the, the, the range of your participation in life begins to narrow more and more. Mm. Uh, and I see that over and over again with people who come in um, who have, you know, unresolved grief from, you know, many years past. And their life is narrowed down. Do you also see, Alexandra, the... Um, the pattern of people who come in and they say, you know, everything just finally got the way I wanted it, and now all of a sudden I'm not happy and things aren't going right? Um, And they're saying that about what? Well, just, you know, like they have issues they don't realize um, are there with very old, say, uh, 
grief that's been stored Mm -hmm. and when their life gets on this sort of uh, even keel then they come up right 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 yeah Yeah. oh and and one way that i kind of um am able to kind of monitor what's really going on under the surface Mm -hmm. with people because people often come in and say oh you know um everything you know things are you know we're going right things are going well but something doesn't feel quite right but i can't quite define it right yes and so there's not an understanding of what that's connected to well then i ask someone what have you been dreaming Ah. because the dream world is very connected to your unconscious and um it's through the dreams that we really get information about what needs to be paid attention to. For mm-hmm. example, if a client comes in and they've been having nightmares, yeah. that is a signal that there's something very strong in the unconscious that is demanding attention. And if you don't deal with it, it's going to, you know, it's kind of like the ante is going to keep going up. Ah. Um, and a good example of that is um, a number of years ago, I, um, a client um, came in and she had just lost her mother, and she had been very close with her mother. And um, she said, I don't understand what's happening, but I can't feel anything. I can't cry. I feel numb. I loved my mother. She was my best friend, and I can't feel anything. Something is wrong. And so I asked her, what have you been dreaming? And she said, I've been dreaming about my ex-husband, but I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> so I said, well, you may want to think about that. And so she went away. She came back the next week. Same thing. Can't feel anything. What have you been dreaming? I dreamt about my ex-husband, but I don't want to talk about that. Well, we did that little dance for about four weeks. And finally she said, I'm willing to talk about my ex-husband. I get it. So she started talking about the trauma she had gone through in her divorce, which she had never dealt with. And right behind that came all the grief for her mother. Mm. Now, the dream was pointing out what was going on at this deep level where she literally had a blockage, you know, in terms of her whole feeling body, right? Yeah. yeah. And she had to deal with that one thing first. Now, I wouldn't have known that. She consciously didn't know that. But the dream told her that. So in cases that you're talking about, I always listen to... You know, the dream, what, what is the dream pointing to? And I have a lot of respect for um, the dream world in terms of, you know, really giving us an indication of what needs to be addressed. And is there any particular book or um, reference that you like to recommend to people in terms of dream work? Well, mainly um, it's the process of working with dreams. Um, beginning to get the confidence when you share a dream um, that it has a connection to kind of this larger context of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, people start feeling a lot of awe, you know, because it's like, oh, my gosh, I never had the idea that the dream would, you know, reveal that much and, you know, touch into that place. There's a great book called um, by, uh, I think it's Bosnak, The Little Book of Dreams, which is very simple, and that's a a good um, resource for, you know, working with dreams. Having a dream um, journal, you know, kind of uh, dream journal, is wonderful. Writing down, you know, kind of any part of a dream mm-hmm. and beginning to kind of let those dreams kind of fill out over time. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of people have come in and said, "I don't dream," and I say, "You know, I know that you dream." <laughs> Just you know, put a, a you know a pad by your bed. Write down anything that comes up. Ask before you go to sleep. Ask for a dream to come to you, and inevitably, people end up with dreams. 
Our guest today, Alexandra Kennedy, is the author of Honoring Grief, Creating a Space to Let Yourself Heal. And uh, she will be speaking at the Survivor Day held at the Veterans Administration in Seaside on November 2nd from 8.30 to 1.30 is the event. And uh, Alexandra, you're the keynote speaker. Now, I know that um, we're going to take a break in a little bit here, but I did have a final question for you. And that has to do with how best to support someone else who might be experiencing grief. Okay. So I think the, the um, I was just uh, with a client last week, and uh, she was talking about she just lost her mother, her 100-year-old mother, and um, she was feeling devastated because her two closest friends basically had kind of turned away from her because they felt uncomfortable, you know, with um, her grief. Yes. And that's very common. There's a saying that grief rewrites your address book. <laughs> so I think it's really important, you know, when clients come in and they have, you know, friends. Um, I have a chapter in the Infinite Thread on friends supporting friends. And there's a kind of a um, bullet list of different ways that you can, you know, support um, a friend who's going through that. They make a copy of that and just email it out to their whole group of friends. Wow. Because what people need is a little education. True. And um, to understand that... When someone is grieving, you don't have to fix them. That's number one. You don't have to make them better. They are going through what they're going through. All you have to do is hold the space for them and just listen. They don't want advice. Most of the time when you start giving advice, it falls flat, you know. Right. Um, they don't want, you know, kind of to be shushed or, you know, um, you can start to get a sense when somebody is feeling overwhelmed by what you're experiencing, you know, and they start to back away, you know. So if you feel overwhelmed by someone who's going through grief, being honest about it is probably the best thing is just to say, gosh, you know, I can really see that you're going through a lot right now, and I can really, I can understand, you know, how overwhelming that must be. And I'm not sure that, you know, it's hard for me to kind of... um hold the space for you right now. I need to back up a little bit, you know? Yeah. But to be able to kind of be honest with that. Well, I appreciate hearing that. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest on Simple Life Radio today. Alexandra Kennedy is the keynote speaker at the local event dedicated to survivors of suicide victims. And that event will be November 22nd. Um, if there's more uh, detail that you need, we can actually put out a phone number, local number 831-207-3783. And then, of course, her book, Alexandra Kennedy's book, Honoring Grief, Creating a Space to Let Yourself Heal, is available on sale at Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden. And we may get you down for a book signing yet. Yeah, and I, and I do have a website. Website? Uh, Alex, AlexandraKennedy.com, all one word. And I'll, I, I respond to people if they have questions or if they want to reach out. There's a lot of articles and suggestions on the website. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for being our, our guest today on Simple Life Radio. Thank you. And we're going to uh, go ahead and take a real quick break and be right back with a special treat for you today. <laughs> <laughs> 